0: This is Why Change, the podcast for a creative generation. We are your hosts. I'm Jeff.
1: Hola, hola. Soy Carla. It's Rachel here.
0: What's good, y'all? I'm Ashraf.
1: And I'm Madeline.
0: Why Change is a podcast that brings listeners around the globe to learn how arts, culture, and creativity, especially as applied by young people, can change the world one community at a time. You're invited each week to learn and laugh while exploring the question, why change? All right, let's get started. Welcome to this episode of the Why Change podcast. Jeff here with Madeline. Hey, Madeline. Hello. It's
1: so nice to be back with you again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's great to be on the mic again. I think the last time we were actually together uh in Madeira and then again on the mic obviously debriefing that but I understand you have been on some holidays and some travel.
1: Yes god Madeira seems ages ago now and that was like only a month ago I think but (laughs) yes so I came home from there and I went straight off on annual leave and spent two weeks in Switzerland and it was the best thing we went skiing copious amounts of cheese and wine and just gosh. It's so nice. I feel like they're so healthy over there. Having sun and being outdoors is just like not something we get to do in Scotland. <laughs> so <laughs> any attempt at being outdoorsy, I love. Um, and then I came back and I was here for a week and then down to Oxford for the school forum. So that was really exciting as well. Whole different vibe. um, it was the social innovation, social entrepreneur kind of sector gathering. And yeah, just a a whole different perspective on how to make social change happen. Decidedly less arty in the thinking, but kind of equally creative with a whole different vocabulary. So that was a nice learning curve and reminder that there are a ton of ways to approach this. So not to panic if you're not quite nailing the one you were aiming for.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's so great. And I think that that pairing, I just too had a similar experience of like really deep thinking immediately after a vacation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like that there's, there's probably some brain science out there that can talk about the benefits of, of time away. And then deep diving. I found that even just, you know, one day of fully turning my brain off from work, my brain naturally goes back to some of this stuff. And like, that's when I solve the, the, the sticky mm-hmm. problem that I've been trying to, you know, to work out or, um, um, you know the path becomes clear in something else that was previously murky, and so I, I'm I'm jealous. I mine was not uh, bopping around the world um, <laughs> for weeks at a time, but I did spend a couple of days in New York City and saw mm-hmm. some new Broadway shows, which was uh, equally as good. And um, you know, really, just kind of stepping outside of. Of the world that we live in, oftentimes in, you know, hotel ballrooms and behind mm. computer screens and immersing into live performances. And did the you break get to switch I your knew.
1: brain off? Did you get oh, to?
0: Boy, did I. I, <laughs> um, yep, went to the imaginary land of Belleville in uh, Bad Cinderella and okay. um, then went to a cornfield in Schucht, which is uh, highly recommend. Um really, really fantastic, entertaining. And of course, like you, lots of uh, cheese and wine throughout New York (laughs) City. So uh, well, Madeline, amidst all of that, you fit in the time to have a really wonderful conversation, um, too, which I just listened to and I'm so excited to talk about. But why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about the individual whom you chatted with?
1: Yes, so I interviewed one of our commissioned climate artists this um, year, but also someone we've worked with on a whole ton of ITAC projects. Um, Pavel is based in the Netherlands, is a teaching artist, and you'll hear all about his practice when he describes it in our chat. Um, but we worked with Pavel, I think, before the climate project as uh, one of our Eden engagement teaching artists. So that's the project where we partner with Joyce Di Donato on her world tour. And we find teaching artists in every stop of that tour to run engagement workshops with local choirs ahead of the concerts. And um, it's all about building impact into international touring. And Pavel is one of the teaching artists who came along, ran climate workshops, documented the whole thing. And then now is doing this amazing work in communities with AR and VR, using it to work with young people on imagining climate futures and choices and thinking about if you make this choice what would the community look like in this many years and it's just really creative ways of approaching really specific issues um and I also know that he's just had a trip to go and visit one of our colleagues over in Ghana from the attack conference so he's doing amazing stuff all over the place and I think I said this to you before but you don't really know how he's going to approach it, but you know, whatever he ends up doing is going to be really cool and fun to watch. So I thought he'd be a really cool person to, to bring to the podcast. How did you find it? What struck you?
0: Uh, so many things. I think if I were to recommend two things that listeners keep their ears open for, the first is around embracing multidisciplinary generalism. And the second is about how technology is not a threat, but instead a tool for imagination. So why don't we take a listen and we'll come back and discuss on the flip side. <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome. And thank you so much for being here to talk to me for Why Change, the podcast. Um, I am so pleased to be able to talk with you, Pavel, right now um, and share more about your work with whoever's listening and just really dive into a bit more about you. So, to give a little background for people listening, um, Pavel is one of our amazing commissioned Attack Impact artists who is doing work in communities to um, basically equip, empower all that good stuff um, with the community members to try and shift perceptions, behaviors, belief around climate change, um, and to help channel all of that energy towards advocacy. So um, we have a bit of history. Also, you were at the ITAC6 conference, which was just so much fun to actually get to see you in person after how many years, I don't know. But to get started and to flesh that out way more, um, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, where you are in the world, and explain that work that you do?
2: Well, thank you very much for this introduction. Uh, My name is Paweł Popotyski. I come from Poland, uh, but I'm based in the Netherlands, living here like half of my life uh, by now or more. Uh, i'm a creative technologist uh with a background in interaction design uh, as a practitioner uh, a teaching artist uh, a thinker uh, and a theorist at times at least i like to think of, about myself this way <laughs> sometimes uh, i'm very much involved in education specifically higher arts education i teach at various art academies here in the netherlands and occasionally abroad uh, I'm a speaker usually on the topics of uh, on the topic of ethics of technology, uh, and I have a large interest in global South uh, problematics, uh, social, environmental, political. So I kind of it's South, but I I'm, I kind of look up to <laughs> look up to uh, to to uh, Latin America, Africa for you know inspiration for knowledge. Uh, in the recent years so also some of my projects uh yeah let's say uh go a bit in that direction uh at least i'm trying to um so yeah that's in a nutshell uh, how i could introduce myself
1: amazing thank you well i want to ask you a follow-up i'll come back to it later um about the ethics and the digital stuff i've been at so many things recently where ai is just at the front of everyone's mind and so i would love to to ask you about that but first um just because you talked about so many areas there um climate digital um all of that stuff um just to name a few could you talk a little bit more about the main issues that your work addresses um in more depth and give examples of how you address those in those art spaces
2: yeah so there's a large variety so this question is difficult because (laughs) um um yeah I, I purposely I'm a bit it's a bit scattered and, and uh and, and broad uh, I will explain why also in this interview um uh well uh, so about my projects or my approach well I'm generally most of the time I I'm a I'm an educator facilitator a sparing partner for artists designers and 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 other people uh I like to inspire them uh, to use a vari- variety of media and technology for social change, impact. So I really love collaborations. Uh, but yeah, in order to to, to give examples, right? So let, let, let's go to examples, which are also quite diverse. Um, so for instance, in the last uh, couple of years, I've been working on a with an artist, Diana Block, on an uh, interactive video installation uh, called Gender Monologues that addresses... Uh, uh, let's say, problematics of, um, of uh, identity uh, in different cultures. Uh, we've been exhibiting this. It's a work, it's a video installation I should explain with uh, vertical projections, uh, portraits of speaking actors that uh, do a short monologue of a known literary or uh, political figure. Uh, so it's about historic references, and these actors are cross-casted Dressed uh, for this uh, installation, and uh, why 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 I do this? Yeah, we 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 exhibited this work in Brazil, in Suriname, in uh, Spain, and uh, in the Netherlands, and any place we go to, we work with local uh, actors and communities. Of course, also the audiences that uh, come to see it, and it's a very subtle and very i would say uh, culturally aware uh, um, uh, art, work of art that is supposed to inspire uh, any anyone seeing it to imagine how we would be in a different body of of opposite uh, 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 uh sex it's operating within the binary context but but also it's about race we had for instance Marilyn Monroe uh, played by a black actor and you know things like that happen so um uh it's it's uh it's it's something on the edge of again different disciplines literature history uh, film theater uh, uh, art and this is a kind of work i like to get uh involved but then uh shall i continue shall i mention more
1: <laughs> yes please <Yeah>. i'm fascinated <laughs> this, 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 this is the stuff they, i love
2: then then there's uh on um uh, here in the netherlands i i collaborated with an organization that. uh uh works with uh, develop, uh, that develops tools or methods to engage children in uh, in cultural activities and make them also aware of their choices so so that they are really uh yeah uh, conscious of what cultural activities they do with their schools so I, I programmed. I did developed, designed. It was more designed than, than art. I designed a, a tool, an online tool, where children in class can uh, have a discussion with their teacher and with each other on what they would like to do this year, this school year, with the culture activities. And this organization, uh, yeah, uh, commissioned me to do to 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 do this, uh, develop this tool. And uh, it's really great to see how. Also here in the Netherlands, how how the, uh, the edu- how the educational institutions are thinking of uh, of that type of uh, tools, and there I came in, for instance, more as a designer and also someone understands the content of all the different disciplines and how uh, yeah how to conduct a kind of pedagogical um, yeah um, um, trajectory yeah with with children in that. I don't know. <laughs> Another project I've been uh, w- collaborating uh, a couple of years ago with uh, uh, researchers, activists, artists in Ecuador, in the suburbs of Guayaquil. There's a, a community, a, quite a privileged community of uh, 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 Afro Ecuadorians. Uh, we the, the the group of of these collaborators were uh, uh, started uh, a radio, helped the community to start uh, a radio station uh, as a as a as a form of uh, yeah platform uh, to discuss. Uh, the relevant matters in the community or role of the arts (laughs) and music uh, and and things like that and I've been involved in this project uh, from the technical uh, uh, side of it Uh, I was uh, uh, yeah uh, uh, in that area not easy area to be in it was not an easy project but we've been um, yeah uh, uh, installing uh, facilities equipment to to run this uh, this uh, this radio station and also with some some supporting activities workshops and so forth so you know yeah difficult projects because you know i'm not even living there you know how to do this from you know from my perspective here of living in 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 europe uh, but i do think uh yeah uh, i have you know some expertise knowledge ideas and i do like to uh, yeah work internationally and see how it can resonate onto different places around the world.
1: Wow. And how do you end up in these projects? Because it sounds like they happen far away from you or in other parts of the world. So how do, what is your connection to those places?
2: Uh, I guess so first of all it's the interest I I I am interested specifically in, in Latin America and Africa in the last years so uh, yeah I when I travel or I'm I'm generally a very open person a networker uh yeah so things come to me it's not even that I you know that I uh, actively pursue uh, or, or 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 search uh, things happen of course I tech and you know <laughs> and, and, and the organizations that uh, that have the the relevant network through events conferences events i get to 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 meet people and engage in these collaborations and uh, i'm a person that says yes to a lot of things maybe even too many sometimes so that's also a problem (laughs) but uh yeah i keep on going this way
1: amazing you're being very modest because i feel like it's also this incredible skill set you have that spans so many topics right you are so in so many zones more than most teaching artists I think that I've met and also I think the thing of saying yes to everything (laughs) almost everyone I have interviewed on this podcast I reckon that would be one thing we all had in common is saying yes to far too much Um, but yes it sounds like there are so you've mentioned a project in gender spaces and in perceptions you've mentioned a project in youth agency and in advocacy and current affairs so how do you decide on which area to focus on at any given time or do you find they all kind of mix and mingle when you get in there
2: i think it's a mix of um uh yeah feasibility of a project um, um yeah, uh, the, the into intuition, uh, uh, synergy <laughs> of, you know, working with specific people that bring their enthusiasm and, and, and vision, because uh, it's often collaborations. Uh, it's not, uh, yeah, uh, work. Uh, I don't work alone. It's always about other people or with other people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I am, it's a difficult question, because yes, it's. I'm not very focused. Uh, exactly, even on purpose, I decide. Could not be focused because I'm, I don't know, I'm I'm an Aquarius, uh, a generalist. Uh, I'm specializing in generalism, if I could say. Uh, so if I specialize in something, it's exactly in this diverse uh, approach. Um, I know that it maybe sounds vague uh, or yeah, not too specific. Uh, but, you know, I believe there is no topic today that can be sort of addressed just on its own yeah uh, um, uh, uh, environmental topics are related to, to social and, and political uh, the local with the global the the digital with the the impact on the physical reality around us so so in a way this multi disciplinary approach or this dancing around these different approaches is something that i do find uh, well interesting um and and relevant and also there is also purely, it's entertaining because I like to, to do discipline swapping. What, However, what binds it all for me uh, is technology often and art. So I'm in the field of art and technology or design. And this is often, of course, a kind of red, Thread, you could say throughout all these uh encounters uh but sometimes yeah sometimes it's i'm more in a, on a technical side of things or in a conceptual side of things and yeah, it's uh it's it that 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 differs um i guess you know, I'm just projecting or or arriving here with just my own personality. And it's very hard to, yeah, for me to actually to focus on just one thing or to specialize in one domain or one activity. It's, again, education, art, technology, these these things tend to come back. But for the rest, yes, environmental topics, social topics, they they, they differ very much also per place and per context.
1: I think that's really interesting. Eric always says, and Eric Booth, who we both know well, always says 80% of what you teach is who you are. And I feel like that's a really good example. The topic isn't so much the thing. It's what you model and what you show in a classroom or in a space. Um, And so... I want to pick up on that technology thread, because that is also a really specific niche where you work. Um, I know there are a lot of people who consider themselves in arts and technology, but with teaching artistry specifically, that is a less trodden field, because so much of what we do is in person in communities, um, and I know that that's a space you work in, so... You're probably sick of giving me examples of your work, but if you could talk a little bit about a digital project that where you've used the arts, could you talk a bit about what that's looked like? Who were your participants and just what happened?
2: Yeah, so if you don't mind, I, I would actually really love to talk about something I'm doing right now and and uh, very much involved. It's related to the to the award I received. Uh yeah, the uh, so working with children. And I'm um, I'm someone who who really believes in the need for raising digital literacy among uh, um you know the the, the so-called digital natives <laughs> they are you know i'm from a generation that that saw digital revolution coming <laughs> uh so I, you know, I still remember computers that didn't have like my graphic interface and <laughs> you had to you know type commands and you know it was it was just different uh for 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 me but that the young the, the the again the young generation of computer users or smartphone users they are um uh yeah schools i think you know also do not do enough to uh really upgrade the yeah that digital literacy among uh among uh young people so they are very of course uh, handy with uh uh Digital technologies, but not necessarily to understand like programming or <laughs> or actually what's in the, the so called black box. Yeah, I refer to that very often. There is this, uh, yeah, you, uh, these digital natives. This, a sliding on the surface of the uh, of their phones, but but uh, swiping and all of that, but don't necessarily know understand what's inside. And of course, that has large implications to you know freedoms, uh, of course, privacy, security, all these issues that are often addressed. But also, yeah, you mentioned AI and and all of that. There is a need to um, yeah to understand a bit more about these uh, technologies. So what I'm doing. Uh, in education, I'm trying to actually teach, uh, yeah, turn some of these children into little nerds and, <laughs> and geeks, you know that that would, <laughs> you know that would would, um, uh, yeah, well, get their hands dirty <laughs> with digital technologies, but to not just do technology for the sake of technology, uh, uh, I. Kind of uh mix this approach with also teaching environmental awareness and uh um let's say uh, climate action uh, so i i i developed a uh, and i'm still working on it i'm i'm developing a whole curriculum of assignments and exercises that combine uh, innovative digital technologies with discussions, brainstorm sessions, sketching uh, and and prototyping projects that are in one way or the other relating to climate change or uh, climate action. To give an example, for instance, I recently teach kids how to do 3D modeling and animation and virtual reality and augmented reality and things like that. Uh, But uh, the, the assignment is to imagine uh, species like animals or, or plants from the future affected by climate change. so mm-hmm. so so they it, it, so they are the, so children are asked to imagine to understand, of course, what's really going on, let's say plastic soup, you know, and uh, other issues we are dealing with, and then how would that, you know what how would the species develop? What would be the future of evolution then, you know how do, would they look like? And it's, of course, a speculative, you know, speculative design project or, like, uh, very Im- imaginative, artistic, yeah. but as they do that, they relate to the thing they create, to the uh, kind of, uh, the learn tools, they are tools of the now, yeah, of, of the, let's say, digital uh, uh, creativity. But also tools that relate, I guess, to some kind of imaginary futures with the you know aesthetics they bring, and I think this is a way uh, I like to to work. And that's think I think this project, yeah, also yeah it shows quite well how I tend to mix the technological uh, or 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 design or art with other social or environmental topics that need to be addressed so but i i do like to work with digital technologies to to look into these uh yeah into these problematics that, it's that's so
1: yeah. exciting i just find that approach of the vr and the ar to imagine the space and what it could look like later after climate change such an impactful tool for changing behaviors or or me asking people to make more conscious choices and i think as well there's this we often hear in our sector right? you've got to meet people where they are and when you go into work with a group you meet them where they are and I think there's such a resistance or a nervousness to meet young people in that digital space because it feels like they know so much more about it or they're more equipped or whatever but it just feels like that's the future that's where we need to be and but, and resisting that feels but, kind of but you know wild, but right? they're
2: often but they're often yeah, only consumers, yeah, and, mm-hmm. and kind of receivers of, of things of, of you know social media platforms, and the, 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 so it's really the emphasis again on creativity, uh, and and uh, and relearning the tools. It's it's something that that is very important, I guess, and I, more, I think more overall. Can and should be done about that at at schools. So this is also where I come in, you know, kind of maybe intruding, disrupting, you know, these these established paths. For instance, you know, computer science classes are separated from art classes, mm-hmm. or uh, a biology uh, class is not connected to, uh, you know. Uh, so this is what I dislike again about focus and disciplinary structures in in education and i'm exactly i like the crossovers because for me these things are combined or can be combined and they also enforce each other and and create that you can you can you know learn about environment through art and (laughs) and the other way you know it's 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 i like these these types of overlaps and i think uh that the, again this being on the edge of different disciplines of different approaches is where i love to be because that's where interesting things happen or things that are not so common i think still in, yeah. uh, in the systems we uh, you know the for instance where how education operates even in, in in higher you know from primary secondary to to higher education it's still we still have this specificity these clusters of of knowledge yeah. and the interactions between these clusters are limited
1: I find that crazy I had a whole big rant about this last week (laughs) actually I was at a conference and the idea that school still splits up subjects by what they think it is or what they think will equip you to go and do it as if art is wildly different from science as if both both aren't just creative endeavors to do something is wild to me um But I'm so glad there are people, there are the pavels of the world going in and pointing out how ridiculous that is because it just doesn't serve the purpose anymore, in my opinion. So, yeah, that's really nice to hear. (laughs) And so can you talk more about the ethics of that then? Because I want to pick up on it. Every, Every space I've been in recently, international conference education spaces, this concept of AI has come up again and again and again. And this sort of, um, there's a sort of overall energy that this is some, you know, Frankenstein's monster that we've now created and have no idea how to control or utilize. And I'm sure there are people who who feel that's not true at all. But the ethics around that and what to do with it or what it ought to be or ought not to be. Could you just talk a little bit from your area of expertise about about that? whole emergence and how you're
2: finding that yeah so of course every case requires a a, a more specific analysis of the the ethical uh, concerns and 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 so forth Uh, but you know in general when it comes to environmental ethics or 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 technological uh, ethics of technology yeah the the weight on is on the on the humans <laughs> too. you know so it's like with any technology uh, you know you can you can act responsibly with that technology or not um i guess uh yeah it's hard to to come up with one statement on this but um things indeed got quite complex and it's just maybe even the beginning <laughs> so be prepared for <laughs> uh, for, for more um, you know, my approach to AI specifically is very, yeah, I have mixed feelings because uh, it's also a fascinating technology, absolutely, for also creativity, Yeah, the so-called creative AI. I've been working with this with, with my students, bachelor students mostly, but also kids recently were doing something <laughs> and doing AI with the kids, like generating some images and animating them, things like that. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's so powerful and, and, uh, inspiring also, um, um, the ethics of it. Uh, yeah. So again, the big question, how it is used and, uh, in what context, where, uh, yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, it's very hard to have one, uh, one approach to, yeah, uh, we we also I'm discussing it also in different uh, different circuits in in higher uh, education, for instance uh, you know chat GPT uh threatening uh, you know like uh, challenging yeah the reviewers of papers <laughs> you know and, and 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 other uh yeah people behind uh, this uh, environment uh yeah, but um at the same time uh, Seeing the creative side of it, uh, we need to be able to cope with it in one way or the other responsibly and some methods to do that or practices will be emerging as we go. So I'm optimistic. I'm not, uh, I'm definitely not um to say a, a, a robo fob <laughs> <Yeah, yeah, yeah. laughs>
1: i haven't heard that before but i bet in yes, five years i so will hear that term. So <laughs> yeah.
2: i am uh, i'm an enthusiast of technology of of course uh, responsible uh, inclusive and um, ethical approach to that uh, that's why i also think that as the example i gave here yeah, i can work with ai and machine learning with children to to think of uh yeah sustainable futures or ecology and environmental awareness and i think you know in a paradoxical way all these artificial things that we've created as you know humanity uh, can yeah it's a paradox but maybe eventually these artificial beings creation can help us to return to nature understand nature to you know so uh, what imagine if ai is used is paired with with uh for instance nature or or or, or plants as a security system against the human, human. so could, mm-hmm. could you know could could nature benefit from ai sort of uh, you know in relation to the human attempts to you know so i i i know it's very paradoxical you know like situation but Maybe something like that is needed to, you know, to protect the Amazon area, you know, with with some technology that's gonna see things and any attempt to, to wow. in, intrude in this area. yeah, I, I don't know. like I'm just thinking this is maybe eventually, so there is that's also where I'm trying to go. like can this can we can we use technology, digital technology for the benefit of natural environments? biodiversity that's that's something that, that fascinates me if this could go that way because it's unstoppable to you know to stop technology it it, it, it of course the corporate you know the the the, the business that we always push it further but then what the role of artists and a world you know critical thought in this is okay okay we have the technology but can we use it differently you <laughs> can use it you know for the purpose so that i think this obviously i'm politicizing all these technological inventions on the more like let's say left progressive side i would like i would rather see it there and i think there are ways to uh, yeah to do it and they are emerging as we go so
1: wow it's amazing i'm going to be thinking about that for quite a while you know,
2: like <laughs> i think That's emancipatory, a whole other level. emancipatory technologies mm. uh you know um climate action technologies and things like that i think this is where we we might be yeah so both social or environmental topics i think we there is a definitely a role that technology can play in a good way Mm, yeah
1: wow yeah well i feel like this is a good segue because at this point i feel like you've spoken about so many quite in-depth topics that you seem to know loads about (laughs) so i wonder what how did you get here and what has that journey been where did you start and what has that step by step to get to this point looked like for you
2: i was serendipitous adventurous saying yes to many different things being open reading different type of literature uh playing with what i do how, how i do experimenting challenging myself uh, and it's not I, you know, it's a journey still, yeah, you say, I sound as if I <laughs> you know, I mean, to to some extent, I don't know, you know, i'm I'm not um, um uh, I guess this being intuitive and uh, and playful in what I do is just how I am. and uh, i I don't I don't like to also think really of myself as I have this, you know, that I possess this wisdoms that, you know are. I, I yeah i'm also vulnerable in, in 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 this process i'm i'm uh not everything works you know or not everything is a success story it's uh uh it's often a, a struggle to uh, to uh to make really that change we we're talking about mm-hmm. i mean i'm i i think i i wish i could do way more and have a larger impact uh for which uh yeah also impact uh, impact award of iTech tech is gonna be very helpful for uh but it's uh it's a journey uh so yeah still a lot of work to do and a lot of things to think about and also i guess um, um yeah adapt to the always changing circumstances uh that that's also that that flexibility you know is needed in this adventurous yeah because i also yeah also certain things i wasn't thinking about in in the past and now yeah they i realized uh yeah i also made a lot of let's say changes along the way of my perception of how how i see things when i started traveling more to the global south countries uh, seeing sort of other uh, problems over there and uh, when of course uh, more and more we got to know about the climate change and ethics of technology and all of that you know that things change over time uh i was not so much into ethics of technology when i was studying interaction design and being this yeah i, I wasn't aware yet back then of the ethical concerns and as we yeah then being observant and, and sensitive to, to to all the news and you know and and our problematic encounters with technology i i changed my mind and i think this adaptability to changing circumstances this is something that would be my advice to anyone like you know to to be open and and, uh, and be able to adapt or be flexible in in our journeys as we go
1: and so would you say that initially you had trained as an artist as a designer as all of the above like what would what did that beginning look like?
2: Uh, so I was really very much into yeah art and technology yeah that was my uh, that's that's what that's why I also mentioned it as this red thread, um, uh, but uh, yeah but of course what is technology yeah it's also in a more philosophical sense I had, I remember having these discussions somewhere yeah in, in Brazil I guess yeah, why do you associate technology with digital technology? Technology is, is a body, you know, human body is a technology, nature is a technology. You know? so in a way, that, that's why, again, I had to re- also, and, and indeed uh, you know how much inspiration actually for technological development comes from laws of, of nature actually and uh, and uh, fungi, fungi you know and uh, these these kind of things right right now there is a there seems to be a relation some bizarre relationship between for instance internet structures and you know and and uh, and growing plants and and, and and things of that kind so i think even though yes i have a background in digital technology and and some specific, again, uh, interactive uh, art forms. Uh, yeah, I'm also very much, for instance, into, into music, you know, it's a very important part of, uh, I like to engage in, in work with musicians, for instance, Joyce Di Donato, so I was involved in a great project she's doing with, still continuing doing with, um, you know, with children, uh, children choirs in different countries. I've been um, also a bit involved in this. So yeah, these types of uh, initiatives are just so powerful for um, for that change.
1: <laughs> wow, I had oh, yeah. never so considered was... until right now the connection between the growth of fungi and plants and the growth of technology and the sort of similar <laughs> way in which it sprouts up in different places. Well, that's my mind a little bit blown. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So I think you've kind of answered this next one already, but I just want to ask you it outright because I feel like your perspective on this will be interesting. So looking ahead to the future, what do you think is the most crucial thing change makers should be focusing on? And you've named a few things there, but if you were to make a guess at where we should all be focusing our energy so we are equipped or ready for whatever comes next, what do you think that would look like?
2: Um, well, I do think that again, climate change problematics are and should be in the center of a lot of things we do in the coming time. So this environmental awareness and, and action uh, is kind of at the core of of of, of, of many things. Uh, yeah. So whether you focus on social justice uh, projects or or or, or again, technology and all that. It's 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 good to kind of relate it all to that bigger picture huh? because we are really in a big trouble here uh, on on planet Earth. Uh, so this is in, in terms of content, you know, what I think it should be. And then, um, what's what's the most crucial thing for change makers? Yeah, to be focusing on. Well, <laughs> I <laughs> I would say, of course, let's stay focused on some things, but do look at you know practices in also other disciplines or or work of uh, of other people focusing again on other things because things are again in the context of this climate change problem. things are really interrelated and you know we talk about intersectionality and uh, uh, well diversity in in political action or or, or you know so it, it is uh stay playful uh, uh like also enjoy yeah it, it even in, in activist work for instance and and you know sometimes struggling be open and uh kind of reach out to different circus different people with your work and um uh, yeah and and, and, and embrace you know some some to some degree stay flexible and adaptable to the changing circumstances so yeah this is a bit of a mix of advice in terms of content what we should focus on also the method uh, if you will. Yeah.
1: amazing thank you well I think we're coming to the end of our time so to wrap things up I tend to always ask a few quick fire questions just to help people get to know this sort of Inner workings of you, even better. So, if you are ready, I will jump right in. Um. Okay. Who inspires you?
2: Um. Right now, uh, uh Rosi Braidotti. Uh, she's an Italian philosopher, and we really love her writings on the so-called post-human knowledge, critical post-humanities. It's a field that uh, inspires a lot of my work and way of thinking.
1: And what keeps you motivated?
2: Oh, but my own ambition, I guess, and, and people around me that that keep me going.
1: And where are you most grounded?
2: In nature, uh, in the moment of being there, biking in the dunes here where I live in The Hague, that's where I'm mostly grounded. I'm rarely grounded, so this is really the place.
0: <laughs>
1: and how do you stay focused?
2: i'm not focused (laughs) at all and don't want to be
1: nice (laughs) okay and finally why change
2: why not
1: Excellent. What a Pavel way to end the interview. I love it. Well, thank you so, so much for being here. Um, we'll share some links to your work um, and all the rest of that in the show notes. So if anyone wants to go in deep dive or follow Pavel online, um, we'll post all of that in the, sh- the show content. So all that's left to say is a massive thank you for spending time with me, Pavel, and explore- explaining, exploring all of that for us. So thank you.
2: Thank you very much for this very pleasant and enjoyable interview.
0: And we're back. Uh, Madeline, thank you for sharing that. I that conversation was inspiring and really got me thinking about a few things, both personal and professional. But before I share those, what were your takeaways? What's still lingering with you after the conversation?
1: Pavel's one of those people where every time we speak, and I we don't get to chat as much as I'd like, but every time we do, I come away with a sort of a different way of thinking about how to talk about teaching artistry, which mm. feels like a really heady thing to say, but it's not necessarily leading with an art form or a topic, but it's more thinking about what tools you have at your disposal and just how to apply those and not necessarily being an expert in any one space but just coming very fully with everything you do have and applying that wherever you can be useful um and yeah I it's sort of hard to describe but I just always come away thinking oh I could do this and that and the next thing and, and there are ideas that haven't really struck me until I hear Pavel talk about what he's been doing does that make sense
0: It certainly does. I think that was sort of what I, the seed that I planted in the beginning of our conversation around that multidisciplinary generalism, in the sense that I think the list that he gave was that he was an ethicist, a technologist, a creative, Mm -hmm. I would add to that, an activist, an environmentalist, you know, like there's so many things and kind of threading that needle through the use of, of, creative practice and technology as the commonality is certainly a piece of it. But I think so often in our field, specifically in our individual growth as people, we get kind of shoehorned into these silos Mm -hmm. where we need to, you know, really describe I am a 2D visual artist, you know, or I am a tap dancer, which is sort of my story, versus Saying, you know, something really general is like, I am a a creative who practices storytelling through blah, 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 mm-hmm. you know, like this kind of all encompassing um, set of, of skills that can be applied towards a goal. And I think Pavel's goal for like impact in the world is very clear. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of assembling both the identity and the tools that make that work, and those can change over time. And, you know, he's very, very comfortable sitting in that like gray area, which I think is a takeaway for me that I should be more comfortable perhaps sitting in the gray area when we often are challenged to be really descriptive about what it is that we do
1: project manager and we just fiercely resist gray areas at all time i'm like but what do i write in my spreadsheet <laughs> like, <laughs> <it's> just... <laughs> but no, you're quite right i think the recognition that when he does work over in the advocacy space it goes and enriches his ability to work in the tech space like rather than makes him less of an expert on either one is just such a useful thing to remember you can't work in a vacuum and expect things to be moved. It has to be part of a bigger whole, and I think he navigates that really skillfully and and sort of threads that that really well.
0: Yeah, and maybe that's one of his big strengths. I don't think he said this, but picking up too on what you shared about um, being the creative in the space of social innovation at the Skoll Forum, right? There's there's a a skill set that we need for people who are multidisciplinary that do change sectors which is about translating. And that's something Mm -hmm. in your work with teaching artists and and my previous work with teaching artists, I used to say like that is a teaching artist superpower is having the vocabulary of both worlds and being the bridge. Mm -hmm. And I think perhaps that's something underlying the, the abilities that Pavel sort of brings um, to the, this conversation, but also, you know, just his work in general is that ability to sort of code switch between different um, languages and approaches and, And things and to find those commonalities actually in some of our research at creative generation we talk a lot about um being the bridge Mm -hmm. that leadership is sort of leadership in our sector is around bridging and connecting you know our work to others work our field to others fields you know our our sector to other sectors and crosswalking language is a huge component of that um but that speaks to the second big takeaway that i had which is about the tools that are in place and the use of technology sort of as a tool that can enable creativity and imagination towards these new futures, which is something I I don't think we often talk about because the arts and culture sector in particular has had a, a kind of a tight stranglehold on creativity, saying like, no, you gain creativity through artistic practice in These specific areas, dance, music, theater, visual art, versus sort of saying these are all tools towards that same end and that creativity and imagination are sort of natural phenomena that can be enhanced through whatever tools might be out there, technology being one, which again was a little bit of like a broadening of my aperture, (laughs) you know, about this. Because unfortunately, I think our field also sometimes uses technology as an adversary, which is Mm -hmm. not great.
1: Yeah, I remember the panic when when everyone had to switch to Zoom a few years ago and, and it was like immediately I just kept hearing, oh, this doesn't work online or this, this can't be done unless we're all in a room together and things. And I think there are definitely circumstances where being in a room together is way easier to deliver work. That doesn't mean that it can't be done differently or approached through tech or enhanced through tech or like Pavel's project in the with the young people in the AR is just such a good example of that. Like shying away from it means we miss this whole way of engaging and a way that young people are particularly literate in as well. And so if you aren't meeting them where they are in the platforms they enjoy, I think the impact starts to get increasingly limited. And so it's a nice reminder that, yeah, it's not either or, it's like a a yes and kind of a thing. And Mm -hmm. that, the richness that comes from just engaging with those and really playing with them can
0: be so huge. Yeah, and I think for our sector too, we need to start to think and grapple, like AI isn't going away. You know, mm-hmm. it's here and it's going to enhance this. And, you know, even with with one of our other co-hosts, Rachel, we were engaged in lots of conversations about chat GPT and, and other types of um, artificial intelligence and in their application, both in the education and, and cultural sectors. And, you know, I think... It is funny because the um, and, and I don't know who to credit for this, but I heard an interview somewhere where they were talking about that platform. I feel like it made the rounds on social media a couple of months ago that you uploaded like one or two photos and it, and it portrayed you in like six different things. It's like an astronaut and, you know, the farmer and whatever. And um and people were posting them and, you know, they're it's good artwork used, you know, made by uh, artificial intelligence, which I think is fine. But every once in a while, there was somebody posting they're like, well, this is really weird where they had like seven fingers. And I think that it speaks to two elements, one where it says real life human artists will never be, you know, replaced because AI will have glitches no matter how good it gets, you know, and and because of the data it used, it thought that you had seven fingers for whatever reason, and in fact, you have five. But also, there's a possibility of like, imagine a world where people do have seven fingers Mm -hmm. and like, what would that mean? And and how might that change their, their life, their experience, their community, I don't know, whatever. Maybe this is a poor example, but I think that there's an element that we've forgotten about this that can open up new possibilities. And I often think about the relationship between sort of futures thinking um, and science fiction. You know, mm-hmm. forever people have been able to invent real things like cell phones and driverless cars because of like cartoons from this, like the Jetsons that... You know, that imagined those possibilities and it gave people those creatives, be they artists or technologists, a sort of vision to move towards. And I just wonder, too, what if we had more tools like technology, AI, etc., cetera, that can enable our imagination to think more broadly yeah. um, and, and name possibilities I, like that to me is is. Wonderful, because I think naming those possibilities can, A, help us move towards those futures, or B, help us avoid bad ones, right? Like by actually thinking it through critically, which is the power of, you know, these workshops yeah. that Paul's doing. I
1: think you're right. It's a, it's the kind of job of ours to reframe thinking of these kinds of tools as not providing answers, but kind of starting conversations and stimulating mm. whole projects around empathy or imagination or all these things where we can recognize this as a as an auto generated thing not that's telling us how to be but saying well what if it was that what if it wasn't that how would we know what would it look like and those are the questions that I think teaching artists specifically really thrive on right exploring with the group what if and how could it and all the rest and yeah I hope we get to a point where on mass, people start to feel that way and, and structure those kinds of conversations around these issues.
0: Yeah, I think you said it just right that, you know, we as teaching artists, or however you define that community based artists, participatory artists, creatives, whatever that's our superpower is like facilitating mm-hmm. a thoughtful exploration of possibility. And that is tremendous. And I think Pavel's interview here showed so many opportunities for us to engage with our own identities as a piece of that and new and different tools. So those are my big takeaways from this conversation. But I think this brings us to the end of our time, Madeline. Thanks so much for bringing this conversation to our listeners on the Why Change podcast. And thanks to Pavel for sharing a tremendous body of work. And thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in yet again this week. We'll catch you next Thank time.
1: Thank you so much.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Why Change, the podcast for a creative generation. All sources discussed in this episode are located in the show notes. If you haven't already, be sure to follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Also, you can write us at info generationorg We would love to hear your ideas, the topics you want to learn about, and why change matters to you. This episode was produced by Madeline McGurk. The executive editor is me, Jeff M. Poulin. Our artwork is by Bridget Woodbury. Our editor is Katie Rainey. This podcast theme music is by Distant Cousins. A special thanks to our contributors, co-hosts, and the team at Creative Generation for their support.